0: This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. How often does your team tell you that your software or computer system won't allow you to do something that you want to do? Well, I'm not sure about you, but I'll tell you what, I don't let computers run my companies and impose limitations on us. So, how do we remove the limitations? To answer that, Ian Robinson, Ian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joel. Great to be here. Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, I, I think many of us have a love hate relationship with computers. <laughs> uh, unlike unlike you, who probably has a love relationship with computers, most of us executive people have a love hate. Um, so, how is it that uh, that we are okay? with letting computers say, Hey, you know what? Uh, sorry, a computer can't do that. So we're just not going to have access to that information or whatever. How, how is it that that's okay?
1: I think it's just a product of the time we're in right now, right? Uh, this, our businesses rely on software, all of them. And, uh, yet the industry itself is relatively young in the grand scheme of things. And, uh, we're all dealing with a lot of baggage, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: you
1: know, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, this industry really is pretty young, I and mean, we've come.
0: Those of us who've been around for a while, uh, we watched it from its birth in in the mid nineties. But the truth is that uh, you know it's it's not all that far along. It's got a long
1: way. Yeah. To well, and there are certain areas of the industry. Uh, that you know when you talk about every business being powered by software in some way or another, some of that software has gotten more attention than others right yeah. <laughs> well,
0: so so just um you know what what 's you know listen if if a computer system is imposing limitations what 's the best thing for a company to do to 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 remove those limitations?
1: Well, I really think of it as um in that situation where you're experiencing a bunch of pain and you don't want to anymore, um, I look at it as a reset. It's so uh, sometimes folks can buy um, software off the shelf uh, and that's great. If you can, you probably should, but if that's not an option, because you, you know, you need to connect your data with your process rather than them being two different systems, uh, you want everything directly in one place. I mean, really, the best way to look at it is a is a reset of your process, and building the software as a direct expression of that process, right? And so, the stuff that doesn't work, it's because it doesn't understand your expertise, your process, right? There's a mismatch there somewhere, and that's where the so, pain so you're
0: so you're suggesting uh, tossing the. Uh off-the-shelf software and developing custom software,
1: uh, you know, for your enterprise. I think if you've made the determination that uh, whatever you have isn't working for you and yeah, go for it. Okay, it's it may be scary, but it's it's often maybe more often than people think the right thing to do.
0: (laughs) It uh, I'll tell you, besides sounding scary, it sounds like the biggest, uh, you know, inconvenience uh, ever to me. I mean, because, you know, software, I mean, no disrespect meant to you. I'm sure you're a terrific guy, but dealing with software people is not the easiest
1: thing in the world. Well, and I may um, be an outlier there because I like to think that our company is pretty easy to deal with, though we I'm sure can be a bit uh, annoying because we need to know a lot about your company. Right. Um, But I think you know, when you're so we focus on uh, companies that are experts in what they do and their value proposition to their clients is, hey, we are experts. We have an expert process. We hire well credentialed people to be on our team um, and then their software is holding them back. It's actually pretty easy uh, to have those conversations about you know renewing their process and, and building a new fund foundation when it is very personal, right? And I don't mean personal at the individual level, but in terms of the organizational expertise. So we're getting in there, curious about how they work. How do they deliver value to their clients? What are their secrets? Um, and how can we leverage those directly rather than shoehorning them into an off-the-shelf system? Yeah. You know, I... One of the things I'm
0: sitting here thinking is that if two companies have the same off the shelf system, mm-hmm. you know, the system kind of dictates the way that they operate. So those two companies would probably necessarily operate kind of similar, which kind of produces the same output or outcome in a certain well way. Good. So, yeah. in a certain way, by letting the software determine how things unfold for your company, you're going to end up not being differentiated in the
1: marketplace because you're going through the same process as everyone else. Absolutely. And even if you are able to, through your process and your approach and workflows, maintain a competitive advantage, you're doing that on top of that system or outside of it. And you're asking the employees to keep track of all of that. Right. So it's, it's not necessarily Within that existing system, um and that's just more overhead for people you want you want to free up your experts to actually be able to focus on novel client problems and not kind of solving the same process problems day over day. yeah, let's talk about some of the things that uh that go wrong that cause companies to think about building custom
0: software. I mean as painful yeah. as it is. Let's say you've got a, a standard uh, industry standard system that everybody in your industry uses because that's kind of the gold standard uh, ten years ago, and the company doesn't keep up for whatever reason. They're not implementing the AI. They're not implementing the sales modules or you know whatever the thing is. What are some of the things that go wrong for companies after a while? What starts breaking that companies need to pay attention to?
1: Yeah, I think some of the bigger themes that we've seen are maybe the biggest thing to pay attention to is when, when people stop using it, that's bad. Uh, or when people, um, you know, short of stopping using it, they're just complaining, right. Uh, because they have to work around the system and they have to, you know, basically invent their own path. Uh, because, you know, I I think people are really focused on, client outcomes by default to great degree, right? We all want to do a great job. So people will find a way. It's just how much of a cost is that? So I think that, um, you know, oftentimes we come in because the squeaky wheel is, is finally getting the grease. You know, um, leadership has heard enough complaining or seen enough workarounds. Um, but I would say some other um, Some other symptoms that we see are this inability to, you know, if the software hasn't evolved, well, your process does, right? It's a lot of these service businesses, you transform an environment and the environments are always changing. You see patterns, that's why you're experts, but those patterns change slightly over time. So, you want to start asking new questions of the data that you have from one project to the next. Well, if you haven't updated the software, you know, you might have to really jump through some hoops to get that done, or you may not be you able know, to do you it. Know, my experience I'm, I'm with a, um, a not-for-profit
0: that is going through a software upgrade. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, a lot of times the software, the way it goes in does not make it handy to come back out and, and, and become part of another system. I mean, so you end up losing a lot of your historical data.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and a lot of times, um, even if they do have a lot of f- kind of friendly ways to look at the data, um, they're, they're, again, not very personal, right? And they're, they're kind of addressing the lowest common denominator. You know, software is built for businesses like yours. It's not built. For your business, it doesn't know your vocabulary, it doesn't know your worldview, and have your values. Um, it's it's kind of like that, but but the you know the, the edges, you can find some real real challenges uh, trying to gain insight um, from the lowest common denominator, you know, kind of worldview.
0: Yeah, you know, um, so when you guys build these. Do you build them in modules, or is it a platform, and then they kind of pick what the modules are that you're going to apply? I mean, how how does this, how does it work?
1: I think looking at it as a as a platform is best Um, because what we try to visualize, you know, it's all abstract, but we try and 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 think of it as a physical foundation for people to do day to day work, right? So it should be pretty. Broad in scope, at least to the service area. Um, and there are certainly different modules um, and we break those up based on you know who needs to see what, right? So there's always different roles that have a different view on this platform. So we think of it as a single source of truth for the data, the reports, the insights for all the different teams um, with many lenses, you know, these different roles, um, on it. And I think the, again, a really good way to look at it is in the beginning, when you're building this, it kind of shouldn't be that exciting because you have to get your foundation under you before you can do, you can jump ahead to the, so bell, so bell's the what, stuff later, is what you're saying. Yeah, and I have a pretty aggressive kind of way of looking at that. And I think that's some secret to our success, uh, which is, you know, we're in the foundation really just trying to, um, you know, it can feel like reinventing the wheel to some degree, but we're trying to give all of the processes and, you know, tools, different proprietary things that have been developed a better the best possible expression so they're not new things they're all the things that you already have but to really set yourself up for long-term growth you have to nail that foundation you can't jump ahead of it so we're we're really modeling the whole ecosystem and um putting all of those pieces that you may already have in some way together. We're trying to, you know, we look at the foundation as a collection of solved problems. It's another way to look at it. And maybe you can do a few novel things because now it's all in one place. So out of the box, I shouldn't say out of the box, (laughs) Um, but uh, you know, when you um, start kind of rolling out that foundational version of the application you can likely do some things that you haven't been able to do before just because it was reasonable now that everything's in one place and it was designed with you in mind, um, after, you know, to a great degree, uh, your processes and things have matured. Let's, let's Uh, talk about some of the really cool things you've seen some companies do.
0: I mean, we can talk about it in the category of artificial intelligence, sales, marketing, what are what are just some what are some of the cool things that people have built?
1: I think, well, the the possibilities that you opened up there are going to be way cooler than the things that I see because we're we're really on the operations side that are um, it's it's cool, but you have to be an accountant. Or you have to be an electrical contractor (laughs) or or an IT security person because we're getting into the weeds of their world. Mm. Um, So, you know, but some of the some of the fun stuff, you know, if you can call it fun, maybe, you know, try. (laughs) Um, You know, in the IT security world, we did build a a platform that involved a fair amount of automation, um, kind of looking at a network environment. And it, in a a privacy friendly way, actually went through and identified various risks uh, within that network. And it did get to involve some password cracking. So that was that was as far as we got into something that would be uh, commonly. Oh, so, you, <laughs> so you guys work on operations. Does that mean that you manage inventory? Does it mean that you manage
0: workflows? Does it mean that you manage uh, the HR function? I mean, what what part of
1: operations do you do? Sure. So when you're thinking, let's um, jump over to a, a, an example from the construction world. Um, when we are powering their operations, it's um, so this this company I'm thinking of is in the electrical world. And they outfit data centers and things of that nature, automotive factories. So what our operations platform looks like is project management. So it is workflow, but it's also keeping track of all of the cable, what goes where, all the reels that they pull cable from, you know, all the conduit the cable sits in, who's doing it, when's it due, what part of the work schedule is it in, you know, what, what is it blocked by? Um, So there's, there's lots of, well, there's lots of detail to it. (laughs) Right. And and so, but what, what we did for that one in particular, which I think is pretty cool. uh, We drew the foundation, you know, we're not going to go and try and solve, you know, give every employee or every field worker an iPad and let's go paperless, you know, they're in, The industry largely is still paper-based. And um, we walked right up to that, though, by saying, well, at least the paper that our thing spits out is going to be, well, not only right, but it's going to look great, too. So it's well designed. Um, But we we saved kind of the full digital workflow uh, for later, for a growth phase, right? Because the actual company needs to mature a little bit, too. Right. And in the, in the just the industry needs to mature a little bit before that's really feasible. Um, so we worked within those constraints to make printing as cool as you can make it um, and as streamlined and useful as you can make it. So they're able to go through and assign, you know, assign work to folks, um, print out nice packets and hand them hand them out each day um, and get data back into the system with QR codes. Um, does the, does the work that you guys do does it include building mobile apps? We focus predominantly on web apps. We've built some mobile things before, but when we look at these professional services organizations, um, the the key to collaborating is usually going to be over the web. Right? If the mobile apps can be more ancillary. Um for kind of the core data management and project
0: management work. And well, And, and, and for, for gathering data, you know, I mean, for field workers to uh, put information in. So oh, know. yeah.
1: I mean, well, the, the beautiful part of a web app, too, is, yeah, the construction one that I was just talking about, uh, folks use iPads for that all the time. Right? Um, and that's that's nice and easy. So it was designed with iPads in mind, even though it's not a native mobile app. And one of the common things there is, um, I mean, you can access a web app uh, from any device that you have as long as you have internet, um, without introducing a whole bunch of extra cost too, because uh, you don't have to build a separate separate version. Yeah, uh,
0: so. tell us. The, uh, I'm very I'm very interested in uh, artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And, and having the computer do certain kind of analytics and you know taking actions based on those analytics what are some uh what are some ways that you've seen companies uh you know streamline their activities applying those kinds of technologies have you seen that very much
1: i think in terms of like kind of yeah and i may have um a, again a more aggressive definition the real artificial intelligence stuff i haven't seen too much close-up uh, the kind of machine learning um just which is to me it's semi-structured it's exploratory it's um And it is, you know, at some level of artificial intelligence Um, that can be very helpful when you are sitting on mounds of data and aren't sure what what to make of it. Just kind of poking around looking for trends. Um, But I tend to sit more in the world where data needs to be structured and we're the ones structuring it a lot of times. We're structuring it more thoroughly than anyone's structured it to, um, to date uh, and getting it nice and organized for everybody. So I may not be the guy to ask about AI stuff. <laughs> yeah. Only only because it just seems to me that
0: once all this great data is in one place, then mm-hmm. a computer can start to analyze Absolutely. patterns and can start to think about things in a different way. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean I, I mean, I see that as a reason for a company to move forward and reorganize themselves because... Uh, you know, once once you have your data really well organized, then all of a sudden uh, you're in a position
1: to let the computer help you make decisions about that data. Yeah, and we, as part of our kind of core focus and all these foundations, we always make sure to track, you know, in a, again, in a pretty structured way, who does what when, right? Not for some big brother reason, but you can figure out trends across projects, you can look at how what features are being utilized and how often, and really know how things are being flexed, right? Um, so you know, it's not necessarily about tracking that Bob did something, but that somebody in a given role used a feature on a given. Yeah, way. I, I mean, look, I'm not I'm not thinking about it, you know, to uh,
0: penalize Bob. I'm thinking about it, you know, how, can we, how can we optimize and be better off, and you know and take advantage of patterns
1: that we aren't necessarily noticing. Yeah. And knowing what people do and don't do is, you know, what actions people take is uh, some of the most valuable data that you can have.
0: Yeah. Interesting. So what, um, tell us about a project you've done recently. You don't have to name names, but just tell us about a project that, uh, that was interesting and uh, worked out the way you wanted.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I did talk through the, Construction project, a little bit, the uh, electrical contractors. And I think that one um, is, I'll, I'll give a quick example there and then maybe jump to another example. But um, that one has been really rewarding to see play out over time because we're a few years in now. We're in more of the growth phase, uh, adapting and responding to their environment. And, you know, so one kind of fun win was um, when some supply chain complexities came up due to COVID and ordering materials got a little bit more complicated. We, for a very reasonable amount of money, were able to, because we had this strong foundation, able to plop in a feature that um, allowed them to navigate some of those supply chain complexities and mitigate risk on their projects. And you know that's the kind of thing that, Pays pays for itself very quickly, um, and you know when we're like, yeah, hey, we can knock that out in the next month or so. They're just like, done, let's go. Um, and I I love not having to work backwards or jump through a bunch of hoops to make something like that happen. It's like, hey, the software's not working for us. I'm like, we got your back, right? But it's because we, we took a long time to get the foundation, right? Uh, what, and and what, what kind of companies
0: uh, are not successful with this kind of initiative? I mean, there must be certain traits of people that just they don't they just don't go along with the program and they fight at every turn and push back. And
1: well, I think that companies that are, um, you know, I'd say either it's going to be different forms of maturity or immaturity and not in a judgmental way, of course, but the idea that your processes haven't matured enough to warrant you solidifying them to the degree that custom software kind of entails. Right. Um, And that maybe, you know, maybe you can still do it, But you're going to it's going to be more speculative and things are still going to be settling out in the real world. So you'll have a harder time modeling it. Um, So I think that's kind of one area. And then the other area is just if you don't have a lot of maturity and like organizational maturity in, you know, hiring vendors and kind of commissioning works <laughs> of any kind, uh, you might have a tough time in the software wor- world too, because uh, that's when a vendor can just come in and tell you what you want to hear. <laughs> right? So yeah, then, then the, then you're, you're subject to all sorts of other problems. I think, you know, I I have, yeah, exactly. And I've seen a lot of that, unfortunately. And it's not always vendors coming in and um, trying to take advantage of people. Uh, it's, but it is when there's less pressure, you know, and less eyeballs, less scrutiny, um, the quality can suffer. So, yeah, I think just organizational maturity there goes a long way. Yeah. Um, though we've had a lot of success uh, with the small be something,
0: though that, that you can recognize when you're looking at their data set and say, you know what, um, how do you want to do this if they don't really know because they haven't been through the documentation process? Yeah.
1: You know? Oh, and that just reminded, that's absolutely true. Um, That just reminded me of another example too, which is if you've already figured everything out to the nth degree and you have a five-year plan with PDFs of every screen that you want developed, um, you may be a little bit too involved. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and actually, need to start a little bit smaller. Um, I've we've run into that kind of situation a few times, and one time it was all it took for us to learn our lesson. <laughs> who who usually uh,
0: owns these projects? In other words, uh, is there usually an IT manager that's put in charge of this, or you know, who are you usually dealing with?
1: Yeah, I, CIOs. IT directors, depending on the industry, you know, people can be outfitted kind of, kind of differently, or it can be project teams um, that are, are working inside of, inside of larger organizations. Um, sometimes they have, you know, we've done a lot of uh, stuff in the consulting arm of a, a big accounting firm, and their project teams were uh, set up well enough to take those on without having to bring in kind of senior leader, senior, senior leadership, um, directly. But, uh, you know, I'd say in the, the mid-market world, it's typically CIOs, IT directors, folks of that nature, COOs are usually in the room as well. Awesome. Well, listen,
0: you know, um, uh, the promise of this show is the inside track, the best smartest or fastest way to get something done and kind of understanding this whole software world, which, Uh, I've dealt with many times, but I still find it completely uh, mystifying, (laughs) uh, you know, is uh, is really a cool thing. So thank you for breaking that down. Thank you for for sharing the inside track. Whenever somebody uh, lives up to the promise of the show, which is delivering the inside track on uh, how to get something done, we call those people advantage players, and that makes you an advantage player. So uh, Ian, thank you very much for being on the show and for sharing what you know and uh, for talking about uh,
1: custom software. Thanks so much, Joe.
0: You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit
1: joelblock.com.
0: How about a shout out and a huge thanks to our podcast show producer, David Wolf, and the team at Audivita Studios. Profit from the inside wouldn't be possible without these wonderful professionals. To learn more or to find out how you can launch and produce your own podcast show, reach out to www.audivita.com. That's A-U-D-I-V-I-T-A acom
1: Produced by Audivita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.